Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Awesome COVID chaos stuff for you. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in a little bit of trouble. They had their first game with fans since the pandemic started, and now they're getting blasted on social media for photoshopping masks onto some fans' faces for a social media photo. Right. Why? I don't know. Why? What's the point? Why use that picture then? Yeah. Like, if you've got a doctorate... Yeah, don't use it. Don't use it. That's right. Uh, The CDC has updated its guidelines for surviving a zombie apocalypse. Okay. Just in case, the page is meant to raise awareness for being prepared for disasters, and uh, they were inspired to update it now because the pandemic is a reminder. We really never know what's coming. What is that, 2022 now, zombie apocalypse? I think so, just after the killer hornets or whatever they are. An inventor in the Netherlands created a new COVID test that also might let you uh, let you get out some of your pandemic frustrations. You go into a booth, yell and scream, and then they can analyze your droplets. <laughs> or you can just come to my house and record the conversations between Maria and I. Um, men are more worried than women about getting COVID now, according to a new survey. And men are also more likely than women to say they, they've kept up on the hardcore hand washing they were doing at the beginning of the pandemic. I find that odd. Yeah. I've, well, one, I find it odd that any men were admitted they were doing hardcore mm. hand washing. Mm-hmm. Nine gr- uh, great apes at the San Diego Zoo just became the first primates other than humans to get the COVID vaccine. Okay. Great. I, we can't get a needle, but some great apes in San Diego can get a needle. They're Terrific. ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. About one in three people got a new pet during the pandemic, and now they're worried about what's going to happen when work gets back to normal and they're not home all the time. Yes, that's a huge concern. What have and you I guys think- thought about Coop? What are you going to do? Uh, sell them. <laughs> get- <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to start training them. Yeah. You got to start training them leave to them be alone, alone yeah. a, a little bit. The four of you leave for a bit and go for a walk yeah. or a drive. And if he freaks out, let him freak out yeah. a little bit and, and you know, they'll they'll survive. Yeah. We always did things like I remember when we, you know, leave, leave out their toys, put on the TV or music or something in the yeah. background. I know a lot. Listen, the animal shelters, humane society, it's no joke to them. They're, they're concerned mm-hmm. because there's going to be a lot of animals that are turned in. Yep. You got that right. Uh, People are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Half say they're not afraid of dying from COVID anymore. That's the highest number since July. Okay. I think a lot of us have, you know, you remember early on, we were like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's in the air everywhere and it's in the trees and, you know, it can crawl up my pant leg. Yeah. We seem to have uh, realized that's not the case And and listen, I I think for the most of us, most part, we've figured out now that even if we got it, we're likely not to die from it. Mm -hmm. The danger has always been who you pass it along to. I found it amazing. And I, you know, I get caught going down that Twitter hole every now and then. I did it yesterday. Just watching uh, the reactions to, uh, to Texas Governor Abbott's decision mm. to you know take away the mask mandate and any uh, <laughs> uh size restrictions or, right. or capacity restrictions in the state and you know some are right away saying hey you know deaths are going to be on your hands as a result of this mm. you know and others were defending saying no you're not going to die from it and and you know the, the, hey if you want to wear your mask wear your mask you know if you feel you need to you know, just not understanding or not, mm-hmm. you know, or their, their likely, their, their idea being, I don't care 
and and you shouldn't worry if I care, right? Everyone mind your own business uh, is is the way that Texas is looking at it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday I heard a report, and we don't have a ton of time here, so we got to move right. this along. But there, there's a report showing now that Toronto might be the most locked down city in not only Canada but the world, and the way we're handling it might be a little too much, especially now that we have seniors in old uh, old folk homes and and our first-line workers who have gotten vaccinated, and that it might be time to start letting adults be adults and, you know, open up more things and allow businesses to to, uh, happen again more quickly than we are. I know there's positives and negatives, and I understand uh, on both sides, and I think you're going to see more of that now as... uh, as uh, time moves on and more vaccines get into arms. Absolutely. As the vaccines come, open it up. Uh, and finally, sex workers in the Netherlands say they should be allowed to get back to their jobs, even with government regulations that require five feet of distance, only five feet in the Netherlands. One of the ladies named Princess Patricia, one of my favorite, <laughs> she said, I'm an S&M mistress. It's no problem. I can lock them up in a cage. We can play doctor. I can put them in a dog leash. Everything's possible. I have a very long whip, so no risk at all. You know, there are times when you really wish that uh, old photos and video would just disappear. There is a picture that someone, a friend of mine, an old uh, radio pal of mine shared of us on a houseboat. has to be early 80s. (laughs) Really? Now, he was an on-air announcer at this station, and I think I was probably just an intern at the time. He's all modern and styling. You know, whatever the look of the day was in the early 80s, he had it. Right. I'm just a mistake from top to bottom. (laughs) Where do I begin? From the feathered hair, the bad chip sunglasses, the shirtless look was a, a, a wise choice, I think. Right. To the bad jeans and running shoes. I look like I'd been living at Joe Dirt's house. (laughs) <laughs> where do, where do we see this? this? I'm going to share it soon. I'm just responding to the guy who posted oh, please. it. It's a good look. <laughs> of course, I'm as skinny as a toothpick. I look like I just got out of rehab. <laughs> or I'm going into rehab. Please share. One of the two. Share soon. <sighs> All right, I will. Uh, you sat through the Megan and Harry interview. I did. And what did you think? Thoughts? Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's a different perspective. Uh, they were trying to, I guess, quell some of these, uh, rumors of, uh, just a whole spoiled brat mentality and mm. attitude, uh, uh, and explain themselves a little bit more. I mean, the fact that they have to explain themselves when they just say they want to get out of the spotlight, but the end, you know, do a tell all interview with Oprah, uh, you know, after the whole thing, I realized, a couple of things. One, this isn't going to go over very well with mm. the royal family. They're not going to like this at all. Uh, two, I don't know if Meghan and Harry care very much what the royal family thinks mm. right now. Um, and and I thought um, in, in watching it that they throw a lot of blame, not on the queen, mm. which I think a lot of uh, people assumed that that's where it's coming from. Uh, Harry says, no, he's got a great relationship with his grandmother and a great respect for her and her position. Um, but at his father, hmm. uh, and, and at a relationship with him, uh, it, it whittled down to nothing. He said at one point he said, you know, until my father stopped taking my calls. See, that's very odd. And I don't know where it started falling apart. I know that he's admitted in many interviews, uh, and, and 
in documentaries and such, that when his mom died, it was very awkward, that his father was in a you know horrible position, it was never a very loving father to begin with, but then came from a life that he wasn't showing a whole lot of love either. I mean, when Charles was a kid, he had to book an appointment to see his mom, so it's not like there was a lot of hugs and kisses going around for Charles either mm. as a child. So... Uh, and Harry admits that it was it was uh, it was rough going uh, after his mom died. But then there was four years later, he said a real bonding between William and Harry and their dad. That the dad really put the effort in to be there for them, to be present, to show them attention. Where it fell apart again, who knows? Maybe it was before Megan that things started uh, going south, or maybe her being included into the mix caused some problems. And I don't know if it's just her. Now, they listen, they alluded to a, a lot of racism that's happened um, in, in that family right. and in the tabloids and the press and in, in, in that country uh, about Megan. And I, I always find it weird because I've never really looked at her as, well, there's a stunning black woman. It's mm. just, I mean, she's very fair, but mm. her mom, of course, being black, African-American yeah. and, and, her, and her dad white, and, you know, she is that mix. But uh, they claim that there were conversations uh, had with Harry about, you know, how brown are the babies going to be uh, and con- concerns yeah, that's a uh, over that. Uh, now, you know, part of it is is that that lifestyle, that British lifestyle, and I and Megan admitted she was naive, and and I would say to the point of stupid that mm. when she first got into this relationship, she knew very little about the royal family. Being an American, they didn't have any much. You know, they knew who they were, mm. but um, she assumed that the royals were celebrities, and she said that's not the case. They're mm. they're beyond celebrity. It's a different lifestyle and level at that point. Um, and that she, she admits she was naive, but, you know, she said she did no research into the royal family or, or knew very little and didn't bother mm. to find out anything other than what Harry told her what life was going to be like. You think if you're going to get in that, you would do a little more sure. than that. And, and you know, while there is a lot to be blamed on the royal family in that their stance is, you know, this is how we do things. It's just how it's done. Mm. And there's no movement on that. Um, uh, you know, there is something when you're, you know, when you're marrying into, I mean, if, if Maria's family had been, you know, this, uh, massive, uh, let's say, I don't know what it was, Saputo or some uh, you know, crazy rich Italian sure. family, they may have had some concerns about who she was going to marry. <laughs> I wouldn't have been allowed through the, the Madonna <laughs> at the end of the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, so for the royal family to have some concerns about who they marry is nothing new. Mm. That's how Diana was kind of presented towards Charles mm-hmm. to begin with, right? Uh, Harry's, uh, you know, disappointment at his father, and perhaps part of the, the problem the relationship is really strained now, is that he feels his dad has been through that, right? And, and should be a little more, uh, perhaps, you know, sensitive to what uh, you know, Megan was going through, having watched Diana go through. My only question in all of this, and I'm sure there's all sorts of drama, and there's the he said and she said, and you'll never really get to the bottom of right or wrong. Or, but why? What, what? What's the end game for these two? Except it seems to me to make the royal family look bad. It's not like they're going to change their ways over any of this. And they may not have said this with Oprah, but I've heard both of them say it in the past. 
We just want to live our own life. We want privacy. We don't want to be in the spotlight. Well, moving to L.A. and doing an interview with Oprah, it's kind of throwing yourself in the spotlight. And they wrote that book where they pissed and moaned the entire time about how bad they had it. And that book was not well received because they came across as whiners and moaners. What's the end game in doing this? The end game is money. Uh, Of course. Quite frankly, quite frankly, I think the end game has to be money. And Harry even said it in the interview he was cut off. He's been cut off from his, uh, you know, any royal payments, anything mm. from the royal family. What he has is what his mother mm. put aside for him, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so he's got to he's got to work, and and image is part of what he does. And they've started a media company, so get working. Well, well, and listen, they they, they plugged that while they were on the show. This is part of his. Right. This is part of their job. Now. Just the whining and the the backstab. They're throwing shade on the family. Just why? What's the point? You're not getting anywhere with this. Well, We've heard it all already. You you said it in the book. What do you got to bring it up again for? I guess I guess it's. Uh, but they're, from their point of view, the, the British tabloids are so unfair. Mm. And and what they one of the reasons they left was because they felt they weren't protected by the royal family mm. or that institution, the firm that they call it. That is, you know, there's the family and then there's the business right. of running the royals. And that business of running the royals did nothing for them or did nothing to help them. And when, when asking for help, and she said she was suicidal at one point, uh, and she was told, nah, it's not mm. good for the family. You're not, you can't check into a hospital that's not good for us. Well, we certainly saw the same thing with Diane, right? When she was going through all her mental health issues, they, they tried to poo-poo it and put it under the carpet. I, it just, there, there's something that just, well, she rubs me the wrong way to begin with. But yes. I just, I just, it's all just, if I want to be on my own, living in a mountaintop in a shed, that's where I'm going. But the problem is he will, he, and he admits he was born into this life. He didn't ask for it. There is no moving to a mountaintop uh, right. for Harry because there are always going to be media that follow him. Mm. And, uh, and you know, and I agree with him. He was born into that. Yeah, but you don't have to respond to it. Well, but it doesn't matter if, you know, if you're going to have people camped outside your door, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe the people who are responsible for it, his his family, mm. are the ones who should be paying to make sure that those people aren't no- knocking in his door. Mm. Right? That, I, I, I don't, listen, I, I don't have a lot of love for them in that situation. And this, you know, going on Oprah seems a, My very heart, yeah. self-serving. My heart doesn't and, bleed for them. No, exactly. But at the same time, you know, there are some instances here where, you know, they've run into a family who just does things that the way, the way they do it, and that's it. And they didn't fit into that mold. And so it's a, a real, real strained relationship. If you've got any interest in going to the moon, well, we got a way for you to get there for free. There's a guy in Japan. He's a multi-billionaire. And back in 2018, he bought the rights to SpaceX's first passenger trip to the moon. The amount he paid is confidential, but it's estimated to be around 250 million bucks. For one seat or he's got the whole flight? He's got the whole flight, I wow. guess. Yeah. Uh, the flight has been scheduled for 2023, so check your schedule. <laughs> See if you got some time. <laughs> I know you're very busy. Yes, yes. Uh, and he's looking for eight random people to join him. It'll take three days to get to the moon, loop behind it, and three days to get back. He's covering the costs? Paying for the whole thing. So what do you do when you get to the moon? Like, is there an on route? Can I get out and buy a T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> pee break. You got to get your kids one of those. My dad went to the moon yeah. and all he got me was this That's crappy right. t-shirt. That's right. Is there an LCBO up well. here? <laughs>
Wow. Yeah. Three days. There's well, three six days, three days there, three days back. He'll pay for the whole deal. Wow, he wants to make it a fun trip. That could get annoying though. I mean, how early do you start with the "Are we there yet?" <laughs> <laughs> or if he agrees to take one of your kids, and he's picked up the tab on this, and your kid's too busy looking at their phone. <laughs> They missed the entire moon. Right there, right the window. <laughs> Evan, Evan. Put your phone down. Look outside. <laughs> That's all right. A yeah. couple hours in, he'll be like, is there a USB charger somewhere in here? <laughs> he says uh, he's looking for two main things in people he chooses. He wants people who want to push the envelope and to make a better society and people who are willing to support others. Okay. You can go to his uh, website, Dear Moon. Dot Earth by the fourteenth of this month, and uh, and apply and apply, I guess. So we want he wants people to push the envelope, make a better society, and are willing to support others. <laughs> well, I guess I'm out. <laughs> I didn't uh, think this would be the case, but it turns out that golf is the number one sport to upset its fans the most. What? Yeah, I guess there was some uh, some analyzing of uh, Twitter posts and reactions to dozens of different sports. And you would think the calmest of all sports, being golf, seems to upset people the most. Maybe it's all just pent-up rage. Like golf has the angriest fans? Yeah, I guess they're watching a tournament or whatever, and uh, something doesn't, you know, their favorite golfer falls apart or something goes wrong. They're the ones to snap, snap the quickest. Wow. So you'd think it would be like soccer or something, right? Yeah, but, for sure. I mean, they have riots in the stands. Yeah. It's starting fires in the stands <laughs> at soccer games. Yeah. Uh, and throwing them onto the field. Um, I mean, I, I know golf has had its, its controversies and, and perhaps it's one of the few sports where players are expected to call penalties on themselves. Mm. Uh, and, and Patrick Reed as of late has been, you know, kind of at the center of a lot of controversy about around cheating in the game. But I didn't, didn't think it got people that upset. Most people probably have never heard his name. Golf probably upsets more spouses of, uh, fans of golf. <laughs> You're going to watch six hours yeah. of this all weekend? <laughs> I don't think so. You're going to play Friday afternoon for five hours and then you're going to come home and sit on the couch for another 48? <laughs> Very true. That's not happening. <laughs> it also might be that golf is one of the sports where even the biggest fans of it don't really know all the rules. Mm. Right. <laughs> so they have to question a lot of things and maybe that gets them angry. Uh, so soccer is number two. Okay. Uh, but golf, like, like a big percentage, like way ahead of soccer. And then Major League Baseball. Baseball? The fans are asleep. Yeah. If they're even there. Well, maybe that's, oh, I missed the whole afternoon. I slept it away. <laughs> that baseball game. Sun, baseball. Sunburn they're worried about. <laughs> uh, NFL boxing. You'd think NFL because of the, uh, just the, you know, the, the, the force of the game or the right. violence within the game. I yeah. Guess. Boxing, I can see because of the gambling around it, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, there's always that contention that, oh, is someone, uh, is this fight rigged or right. is it a proper fight? And, uh, you know, there's so much hype that leads up to a fight that it, they're often disappointing in the finish. Yeah. And when you've uh, realized that you've just lost the kid's college fund right. <laughs> to a boxing. How does Mike Tyson lose? <laughs> NFL and Formula One are tied along with darts for upsetting people. Darts of all things. <laughs> well, see, darts, I, you know, it's because they're drunk. 
Right. right. <laughs> I mean, if you ever watched darts seriously, it's, it's nuts, it looks right? like Oktoberfest with a dartboard at the end of the hall. And you'd have to be drunk to, to be sitting there because you can't even see a dartboard <laughs> when you're 10 feet away from it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Most people have to get right up close to see it. It really is. It's a, you know, it's just, a, I think it's a, a European thing, certainly England or, or whatever. Like they're just crazy for it. You yeah. know, oh, yeah. to throw a darts tournament here. In crickets, I would think, for the most part. But over you know, the world champion at one point was from Oshawa. Oh, really? John Part, yeah. Hmm. Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's, now he's the dart champion at AA meetings. <laughs> Time for our pally. It's Ted Reader for Helinda's Meets. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craigie. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Teddy. How are you? I can't complain. If you it's do, no one cares. <laughs> I'm happy when it's warm. Yeah, it is sure. good. It, it was great barbecuing weather over the weekend as well. It dropped down in the evenings. But I got to I gotta say, and I got to ask, Ted, because uh, the last week or so in, in going by the butcher counter, uh, I've had my eye on ribs. Uh, it's just they've caught my eye. They've been out. They've, uh, they've had some specials, and it's, it's looked great. And I did some on the weekend. Um, I had a little smoke to them with some hickory. It was fantastic. But... When it comes to picking the ribs, I wasn't sure what to get in the differences between them because they had the the back ribs, which I know I think are like the Cadillac of them, and then there was these side ribs that looked good and plentiful, and I really wasn't sure where to go. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, a little uh, morning rib, frog rib, in the throat. stuck in there. You got a rib caught <laughs> in your throat. Yeah, you got to rip them right out of there. Uh, back ribs are leaner versus a side rib. Okay. And so the ladies like the back ribs a little bit more. When you're looking for a back rib, you want to look for good meat coverage on top of the, the rack. So you don't want to see any of the bones poking through. Those are called shiners. Mm-hmm. And when you see the bones poking through, they've, they've taken more of that loin meat off of the top. And so your ribs end up not having as much meat on them, and you tend to dry them out. So you want to have good coverage on the back rib. And with a side rib, you get the breastbone that's included on that and the hard bone that goes in there. And there's lots of fat and lots of cartilage. And the side rib is super, super tasty. Lots of fat makes lots of flavor. Right. And what we use at the joint is we use a side rib where we cut that hard breastbone off. And it makes a center cut rib or what they call a St. Louis style rib. And so it looks like a back rib. Uh, you don't have the hard bone and the excess of the, the, the cartilage that's on the, on the side. Um, and it's, it's a tasty rack. It, it depends on what you like. I'm a, I'm a side rib guy okay. versus uh, my wife likes back ribs. So you're not re- you can't really go wrong uh, unless I guess you overcook it. And I always thought you basically just cook them until like, the meat starts to peel off the bone. Well, you want it to, to cook it just so that you can wiggle the bone but not completely pull it out. If you're pulling it out, yes, it's fall off the bone and it's tender, but you tend to go too high in uh, internal temperature and the meat tends to dry out. Right. So you really want to try and pull those ribs uh, internal between the bones. The meat temperature should be about 203, 205 degrees. Teddy, with all this talk of wiggling bones and racks, <laughs> the 12-year-old in me... <laughs> Just can't contain myself. Uh, we had a listener uh, send a, a text asking if Teddy could share any tips on how to make beef jerky. Okay, yeah. yeah. How jerky. do you make beef jerky? 
Well, one, you want, uh, you want a, a lean piece of meat. You don't want a lot of fat in your jerky okay. uh, because the fat doesn't tend to uh, dry out enough, and so it promotes uh, the rancidity. So uh, the easiest cut to use would be uh, an eye of the round, which is very lean, mm-hmm. and trim off any excess fat and sinew on the outside of that eye of the round. I like to pop it into the freezer for about 15 to 20 minutes so it firms it up. And then using a very sharp knife, you want to slice that meat super, super thin. Not that you can see through it, but you want to be pretty thin. All right? Okay. So you slice it all the way along, pop it into like a, a Ziploc bag. And then you got to make the marinade. And traditionally, uh, soy sauce, Worcestershire, brown sugar, and a lot of garlic. Okay. So... For soy sauce, you can use the low sodium if you like, if you're watching your, your salt intake. But I like a really deep brewed um, dark soy mm-hmm. to use it. It gives a little bit better flavor. And I use a, a two parts soy sauce, one part uh, Worcestershire. And then um, throwing about uh, equal amount of Worcestershire to the brown sugar that you would add. So if you were doing it, let's say it was a cup of soy, half a cup of Worcestershire, half a cup of brown sugar. Okay. And then your seasonings. Um, don't add any salt into that. You got enough there with the soy sauce and the Worcestershire sauce. So you're going to add a lot of black pepper, some crushed red chili flakes, if, and garlic I would put anywhere between six and eight cloves, all mashed up, so finely, finely chopped. Okay. Throw that into it. You can add a little bit of garlic powder if you want uh, to the to the mix. And then you can throw in, right at the end, you'll add in some either beef stock or beer or some whiskey. And you just want to make a nice slurry with that. So maybe half a cup to a cup of stock or beer. And then you put the meat in the bag with all that marinade. You seal it up and you pop it in your fridge. Minimum of eight hours, but usually best to go for for a full day, 24 hours. Okay. Fire up your smoker, get it to a temperature of around 170, between 160 and 180 is your mark, but 170 is a nice temp. You take the meat out of the the marinade and you pat it dry with paper toweling. You can season it with some more black pepper, some red chili flakes, and if you want to really spice it up uh, into the marinade, you could put a little bit of hot sauce like sriracha too if you wanted to do that. Very nice. Mm. And then onto uh, racks. You want to make sure that they're not overlapping and that they're evenly spaced. And then you pop them in your smoker. And depending on the thickness of the meat, it'll either take two hours, three hours, four hours, or five hours. Okay. And you just watch them. And the key is that you want that meat to to dry and to take on that flavor of the smoke. But you don't want it to be so dry that it breaks when you try to to bend it. You want it to be pliable and uh, soft. Beautiful. That's yeah, how you and that's really it. it. It's 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 a simple thing. It's more work in laying it out on the rack so that they're not spaced, mm. and then do it. I like to use my Bradley smoker when I make jerky. It's nice and easy, and holds that temperature. And it's got beautiful jerky racks that you can get lots of beef into that smoker with. Excellent, nice. Teddy. People want to talk to you about jerky or ribs or any grilling or the joint opening up April first. How do they get a hold of you? Ah, you're going to find me at Ted Grills on social media. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky, 94.9 The Rock.